Hey everybody, what's up? Sagi here. And before you listen to this episode, I just wanted to let you know that the Hacking UI podcast, while we still have a lot of downloads for our podcast, is a legacy podcast, meaning David and I are not recording any more sessions for the specific podcast. So what you can do right now is, first of all, listen to this episode, and second, know that you can find David on thoughtleaders.io, that's his new business, or you can check out my new podcast, which is called The Creativepreneur Show. And you can just go to creativepreneurmagazine.com or creativepreneur.show. So those are the two domains that you would be able to find my show, my new blog, my new community. And I hope uh, to see you there. Also, be sure to follow David Tintner and Sagi Schreiber on Instagram. We're both on Instagram. I'm also on YouTube. So you can check out the YouTube channel if you want to check out YouTube. Enough with my talking. Oh, my God. So anyways, I hope you guys, though, connect with me and David on the different platforms after this episode. All right. Make sure to do so because we have so much new content for you. And enjoy, guys. Enjoy this episode. When you have really ambitious goals, you don't really know the answer to what are all the steps that I need to take and even if you think you know you're probably wrong but you don't need to know just do something small today just do three small things today that will push you you don't have to start coming up with complicated plans and execution just do something today and that made it really easy for me to break it down and actually make progress because you know even if those are tiny steps but you're taking them every day it's gonna lead up to something Hello, hackers. Thanks a lot for joining us for another episode of the Hacking UI podcast, where we hack our way through product design, development, and creative entrepreneurship. I'm David Tintner. And I'm Sagi Schreiber. This will be the 10th and final episode of the third season of the Hacking UI podcast that we called Scaling a Career. For this season, we had two super amazing sponsors with incredibly useful products, Envision and FreshBooks. So I bet you all know InVision. So today I want to talk to you about designbetter.co. The education team over at InVision created an amazing source of quality learning material for product designers. They interviewed dozens of leading designers and companies like Google, Airbnb, Netflix, Facebook, Slack, and more. And basically they did that in order to discover the design practices that they use in order to help everyone, their audience, which is us, transform our design process and push our organizations to the limits. So don't forget to hit designbetter.co. It's an amazing resource. They have four books that they publish. They have an amazing podcast of their own. Be sure to subscribe to it. And they have workshops for designers. So you can check those out as well. So I really recommend it. It's just amazing. FreshBooks is the perfect accounting software for freelance designers and developers or creative entrepreneurs with a small business. FreshBooks is built from the ground up to work for people like us. Let's say non-accountants. They have some really powerful features like integration with Stripe, expense tracking, and a customer support team that actually picks up the phone and works with you to find the perfect solution. Actually, my favorite part about FreshBooks is the super smart notifications they send, which show you the highest priority task you can do right now in order to improve your business. Again, if you're an experienced accountant and you're looking for the all-powerful analytical monster of a tool, okay, this is not it. But if you're like us and you're just looking to get some understanding of your business and keep track of things without wasting hours of your time, then this is exactly what you need. If you want to see what it's all about, FreshBooks gives you a 30-day free trial and doesn't even require a credit card to log in. Okay, so on to our episode today. Our guest today 
is a super talented designer and successful freelancer. Also, a good friend of mine here from Israel. He has a YouTube channel with over 40,000 subscribers. And he's also a co-founder of a SaaS company with a product that serves freelancers in putting together contracts for clients. In this talk, we went over super interesting topics like how to handle task overwhelm. We went over the importance of setting high goals, marketing ourselves as creatives. We know that's a problem for a lot of us. And we talked about value-based pricing. I hope you'll enjoy this episode like I did. Let's get started. Ladies and gents, it's our pleasure to present to you Ron Segal. Let's get hacking. All right, so we are live. Ron, welcome to the Hacking UI podcast. How are you? Yeah, it's all good, man. Always good talking to you. Yeah, man, I've been really looking forward to having you. You are the 10th episode of this season, which meaning like, I don't think we're going to have any more episodes. We declared that we are going to have only 10 episodes this season, and I was waiting for you to close the season, so I'm super excited, man. Awesome, glad to be on the show. Yeah, so for any of you who don't know Ron, Ron is like super, super mega talented designer. He was working in startups and one of the startups that he was been working with Anydo back then and then past how many years are you for nothing? Um, maybe four or five years full time now. So for the past something like five years, he's been freelancing and also sharing his journey on YouTube show that he has basically a vlog called Flux, which is on YouTube and you have to check it out if you haven't already because Ron, do you have like over 30,000 followers right now, right? Yeah, probably 40 today. 40, man, that's like, yeah. it's growing <laughs> crazy amazing so congrats on that and thanks man so i think that you are the perfect example of who i would love like to be on this podcast especially on this season which we call scaling a career just because you're not only like a super professional designer but you're also really believing like teaching and kind of like teaching your stuff you know like and passing it forward um yeah i especially enjoy you know sharing my experiences and what i learn along the way it kind of helps me also to remind myself of what i learned and you know and if it's helpful for other yeah it's great and it's just fun and i love to talk <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i love to talk we all do no it's kidding but right now you are actually like freelancing with how many clients it depends i have like few retainer clients that i've been working with for a few years some startup companies that i kind of work with from their beginning and now like helps on an ongoing base and then sometimes i do just like project base like just a website or a brand identity so i would say it range between maybe three to five at any given time something like that three to five so that's like yeah. a lot of clients that's A massive it's a lot of clients and I also have my own company on top of that which is called Prospero and so that's another kind of project that I have to handle and then the right. YouTube so it's like a lot of projects to handle at the same time right so I actually like didn't even mention that in the intro so you had the equivalent like of the parallel to hacking UI also we were running hacking UI you were also running the new school which was a basically an online hub for people to learn like anything that has to do with freelancing and design so you You had the kind of like parallel community while we were growing hacking UI, you were growing the new school and now the new school came Prospero, right? Yeah, it kind of morphed in. The new school still exists, but we don't put any new efforts into it and we kind of work on building Prospero, which is kind of a product company. So yeah, we're really focused on that right now and it's growing. So that's fun. And that I'm doing with a partner. Yeah, Ayal, right? Yeah, Ayal. He's a great developer and a person. Awesome. And you also had the R, which was on a new school and you guys like... separate and now you're like 
with AL and Prospero and growing that into a SaaS company. Yeah, it already is a SaaS company with yeah. paying customers. Yeah. Yeah. So um, can you tell us a bit about that? Like, how is that going for you? So it, basically, it's a service for freelancers to create online proposals. We launched it last year. It took us a while to understand exactly what are the features that people really want, what's really helpful for them, what's the right pricing. But I think around four months ago, we kind of hit it, got to the point where it works really well. People really like it. We have the product now in like 12 languages. And yeah, it's growing and it's really, really fun to work on this. That's awesome. And hopefully, yeah, we hope that one day, I mean, very soon it will kind of, the income from that will suppress the income that I have from my freelance business. And then I don't know that I wouldn't do freelance at all, but it kind of, the balance would probably change. Man, that's, that's crazy. So you have freelancing going on. You have Prospero as basically a SaaS company that you're growing. And you also have the vlog. <laughs> yeah. It's a YouTube channel where I post a video every day, every weekday that I work. Yeah. And it's fun. And on top of that, you have a family. Yeah. I got, I'm married and I got two kids. And so, yeah, that's also part of the equation, obviously, because I like to spend time with them in the morning and then afternoons. I don't like work. I mean, I finish work at around six and then I hang out with them. And then after the kids go to sleep, I usually go to edit the video and then maybe do some calls with clients that are on the other side of the world. And so, yeah. And then I finish up a bit late. <laughs> so how much do you sleep? Like how, how many hours of sleep do you get? I try to sleep seven hours. So I really try to do 11 to 6 a.m. 11. So how yeah. do you manage to go to sleep at 11? Like that's something I'm struggling with specifically right now because I'm finding myself going to sleep at like midnight or so. And then you wake up you know like about around six so i'm saying how can i push more sleep time yeah i just when i finish my work i'm just like crashing i mean yeah <laughs> nice. nice yeah so anyways i want to talk to you about a couple of things because we have so much to talk about i think that we can talk about for like forever like on so many topics because also we can talk about freelancing and kind of like tips for freelancing and for everybody who's listening who's a freelancer we can talk about tips for youtube and basically growing a youtube channel we can talk about you know creating products as a designer but i want to just speak to you a bit of a high level right thing that guided you when you opened the new school when you started teaching and everything a lot of designers i think are just like trying to work really hard and be the best designers that they can. But I think that something that you and I can agree with is that, you know, people should do things for fun on the side, which is their own. That's one thing. And the second thing is, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I think that if you don't do things that you're teaching and sharing your knowledge and giving back to the community, then you're missing out on being known. And also that brings down your leads, you know, or any opportunities that you get, right? Yeah, so I think... I don't think there's only one way to do it by teaching, but I do think that we are right now at a position where, you know, everybody, even if you're working at a company like full time, you have to be type of entrepreneur. You have to kind of build your, I don't know if to say your brand, but eventually you're going to have to look for your next opportunity, either in the company or in the next company, or maybe you want to do something on your own. So you can't be like, I think, complacent, maybe like our parents were, yeah, I'm going to be working in this company for like 50 years now. And so you have to always think what's next and, and have that in mind. And you have to grow and you have to, yeah, prepare yourself for the next step. So, you know, 
there is multiple ways to do that. I always try to, to grow and to learn. So I always read books and, you know, take courses and try to develop myself and, and my interests. And part of that for me was to share my journey. I wanted to, for example, a few years ago, develop the skill of writing because I think it's really important for designers to know how to write. So I started the blog. I did that for a few years in Israel, a blog in Hebrew. And then when I discovered video, I discovered that video is more fun for me because I, I like editing. I switched into that, but now I already have kind of the skill of writing, which serves me really well with the clients that I work at. And, and so every one of those things that I'm doing is kind of adding a skill that makes me more valuable in whatever I choose to do. So for example, I had like a few years ago, I did a, a side project where I wanted to learn how to develop an iPhone app myself. And so I took a course at Objective-C on Linda.com, learned how to program, how to develop, and developed an iPhone app myself. That was, you know, that app wasn't really successful. It was just a fun project for like four or five months. But that skill of, you know, understanding how the development process works for, you know, mobile application now gives me a common language with the developer I work with, makes me more valuable, makes it easier for me to do my job. And so... Every one of those projects is somehow kind of contributing to my success. You somehow said that, you know, if you put yourself out there, it helps you to get leads and, and stuff like that. I don't know that I do that, you know, deliberately thinking about, you know, will this get me leads? For example, my YouTube channel is contributing to me, I think, in many ways and I guess to my personal brands. But, you know, speaking as like lead leads for clients that hasn't been that effective but it's still I'm doing it but I think that on the long term the value that it will create for everybody else and for myself will be worth it plus I enjoy the process yeah. and so that's how I think about it I don't really think that you can really do something because you think it's good marketing if you don't really enjoy yeah, doing right. it it's not going to be sustainable you know, I'm uploading like video every day for over two years now. It's over, I don't know, 500, 600 videos. You're not going to be able to do that if you just think, ah, oh, this will help my personal brand. You'll burn out. True. You know? I think you got to love it. I think that the thing that you're saying is true. I mean, you really have to love what you're doing. And that can actually determine what you need to kind of like set for yourself as like as a way to teach and share your knowledge. I'm just thinking that, you know, I know so many amazing designers that just don't share their knowledge. And then, you know, I come across a lot of situations where some designers are finding it hard to find leads and find like new clients or they send their, their CV somewhere and you know they don't even get an answer back because nobody knows them right and I think most of the designers maybe even like 90 to 95 percent of the designers out there right now especially in the Israeli market but in general out in the world they don't put themselves out there and we tend to be kind of like the more introverts we want to be focused on our craft and I think that that's something that is just you know it's just something that holds you back from reaching your true potential as a designer if you want. I I do think that you know being successful in any career no matter what it is is not just about doing the work itself it's about you know it's usually entails working with other people and having a network of people that you can work with and that you can you know collaborate with and they will you know ask you to do certain things and so for me you know I enjoy hanging around with other designers whether it's going to events and, and you know conferences and, and you know interacting on Facebook groups because it, for me it's just like hanging out with my friends 
the benefit of that is that they keep me in mind whenever they're thinking about somebody else. So there are, I think that having a network is the most important thing that you can to kind of secure your your safety. But there are two ways to do this. You can either, you know, actively or let's say there is like two-way network where you're like hanging out with your friends or, or you know going to events and stuff like that and there is one way where you're like broadcasting to the world either on you know blog or whatever and then people know you even though you don't know them back so that's a different kind of network it's not like a two-sided network it's a one-side network but people still know you so I think I do both of them and I think different people have different feel more confident maybe with one of them. Some people I think are not confident with either of them, right? They feel like I'm an introvert. I don't want to go to design event. I don't like talking to people and I don't want to write a blog or, or you know, share content. Yeah. And that's a shame because those people who just want to hang out on the computer to actually do the work, I think either they need a partner who will do all the other stuff or they will have to work within a context of you know a bigger company. And even in that company, if they want to progress, they have to work and network with the people within the company. So you can't avoid working with other people and kind of being interdependent. I used to, I read a book, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. I don't know if you know this yeah. book, but it's like one of the books that was really most influential for me. And in that book, it started off by saying that a lot of people think that the goal is to be independent, but actually being independent is not the goal. It's one step after being dependent, but the highest step is being interdependent, which means knowing how to work with other people. Because if you're independent, but you're all alone, you're not going to be able to achieve very much. So you have to know how to work with other people and connect with other people, create friendships, relationships, and you can't really ignore that, I think, if you want to be successful no matter what you do. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think that networking is super, super, super important. And, um, you know, the way to kind of like spread content is like another way of networking in a way. For me, seeing so many people want to write but never put in the time, it's like, I feel empathy for that. I know how hard it is to put out content and to network, even go to conferences. But, you know, my message is always trying to kind of keep that going for people to make them like get out of the comfort zone and do that. And I think you're doing it amazingly well. By the way, to those of you who don't know, Ron and I, we studied at the same design college. We graduated at the same year. So we have this similar route in our careers. We also started blogs. Then we went on to do other things. Then we had our international blog. I run at the new school. I had Hacking UI. And now we're kind of like both freelancing. Ron is way more into freelancing than me right now. I'm just, I have only like three clients. I'm working with a few designers. Ron, I know you're working with like about five clients. So can you talk to us a bit about your process with freelancing? That's actually something that I really try to formalize right now as I try to grow uh, and maybe hire some people to help me. Uh, so my current process is that I've been doing freelance ever since high school, basically. So it's like, I don't know, over 15 or maybe 20 years yeah. soon. So I did a lot of work for a lot of people along the way. So there is kind of like inbound referrals by this point. So people who, you know, heard recommendations of me from other people. So people just approach yeah. me and I have enough, you know, leads. And so I kind of, I pick the projects that I want to work on. And then sometimes we get started as a project, which then continues into a retainer relationship, depending on what that specific company needs. 
and that's it but at this point I'm actually doing all the work myself I sometimes use an illustrator to help me with stuff because I'm not amazing at illustrating but right now as I'm trying to scale and allow myself more free time to focus on on my product business I think I'm gonna start hiring and so I will probably have to formalize my process a little bit more than what it is right now right now it's basically I'm doing everything right so can I can I ask you just like I know it's maybe a tough question but one year from now where do you see yourself hopefully I mean my goal right now is to kind of make the same money that I'm doing today out of freelancing but work half the time at it so basically by working with a team by hiring people maintain the same level of profitability but you know create a lot of more free time for myself then I'll be able to put that effort as an investment into into Prospero and then hopefully build a team over there as well and I have two business running at the same time yeah so basically your wish is to go to 50% of your time like freelancing 50% of the time Prospero Right? Yes, but wish is, you know, is not something you right. achieve. A goal is something your you goal. achieve. Your goal, right? <laughs> It's true. By the way, like, I know we're both kind of like, I, I know you recently read the 10x rule by Grant Cardone, so... Yes, on your recommendation. Yeah, so I, I know that, how has that influenced you with your goals? Really, actually this book had a big impact on me because I realized two things. One, really I was thinking too small when setting my own goals and second thing was I really underestimated how hard it will be to get to that point and so even though I wasn't setting crazy big goals I never really achieved them to the degree that I wanted to so now it actually made me one push my goals really really higher and so I will have to think about this differently and also try to create more what grant called massive action just do more things and Honestly, I read it like I think a month or, or two months ago and it's been overwhelming because I've been trying to do more things. It has been working, but it's also I've been creating like a lot of overwhelm of things that I've been doing at a time and kind of like yeah. maybe lack of focus, but, uh, but, but things are going well. And so, yeah. All right. So let's take a short break to talk about our sponsors, Envision and FreshBooks. So everything. I bet you all know InVision and love InVision, but today I want to talk to you about designbetter.co. The education team over at InVision created this amazing resource of quality learning material for product designers. They interviewed dozens of leading designers at companies like Google, Airbnb, Netflix, Facebook, Slack, and more, basically to discover their design practices in order to help us learn from that and implement that into our organization. So first of all, they have a podcast that you really need to subscribe to. It's a great podcast. And also they have four books they've put together. So you better head over to designbetter.co and check those out. Also, you can check out one of the kind workshops for designers. FreshBooks is the perfect accounting software for freelance designers and developers or creative entrepreneurs with a small business. FreshBooks is built from the ground up to work for people like us, let's say non-accountants. They have some really powerful features like integration with Stripe, expense tracking, and a customer support team that actually picks up the phone and works with you to find the perfect solution. Actually, my favorite part about FreshBooks is the super smart notifications they send, which show you the highest priority task you can do right now in order to improve your business. Again, if you're an experienced accountant and you're looking for the all-powerful analytical monster of a tool, okay, this is not it. But if you're like us and you're just looking to get some understanding of your business and keep track of things without wasting hours of your time, then this is exactly what you need. If you want to see what it's all about, FreshBooks gives you a 30-day free trial and doesn't even require a credit card to log in. <laughs> 
just want to explain the term of massive action to anybody here that is listening or watching us live right now with, who doesn't know what massive action is. In a way, Grant tells about it like, you know, the whole world lives off of massive action, like it's nature. If you look at ants working, like, you know, and if you look at the earth beneath us, just like moving, it's like massive action going on around there. And if you even look at our children, you know, how they're always in massive action, always like... You know, everything is massive action for them. And, you know, one point of life, we lose that. Um, and when we're growing up to be adults, we're like, people are starting to say, you know, don't work so hard, don't, don't beat yourself up, don't burn out. And people are kind of telling us to, you know, just be, just, you know, start, do, do our thing, like live comfortably, don't, don't kill yourself. And I think that's totally wrong because what we do is, one, we really actually don't reach our true potential because of that. And two... We aim low and we're afraid that if we aim high, like we really want to, we will get sick and die. <laughs> I think that's something that, you know, nobody knows the answer to that, right? I mean, we need to maintain our health. But in a way, the massive action kind of thing is like, you know, we need to go back to how we were when we were kids. So I, I'm telling you about that. And since I read that book and it really influenced me, and since I started like putting that work into my career, I've seen the jump in the past like seven months in my business as well. I mean, we're talking a lot. So you, you know what I've been through. So I'm really happy that you're saying this because this is super, super important for, I think, for everyone listening or watching right now. Kind of like take this approach and put it into their own lives and say, I'm now, I'm doing everything that I want in my life. And whether it's like, it's family time, I want to have, you know, massive action in my, with my family, you know, and, and if I'm doing it into my work, like I want massive action, putting my goals high and my, I want my finance high, I, I want my health in the best possible way, massive action in the gym, you know, just like, really just like live life to the fullest. And if you don't, then you're missing out on your true potential. Yeah. One more thing that I took from this book was kind of like sitting every morning and saying, okay, if this is my goal, what are three things that I can do today? Because, you know, I read a lot of books about goal setting and stuff like that. And there's always, you need to set a goal and then write a plan on how do you get to this goal. But when you have really ambitious goals, you don't really know the answer to what are all the steps that I need to take. And even if you think you know, you're probably wrong. But what really kind of like broke it down for me is you don't need to know. Just do something small today. Just do like three small things today that will push you. You don't have to start coming up with complicated plans and, uh, and execution. Just do something today. And that made it really easy for me to break it down and actually make progress. Because, you know, even if those are tiny steps, but you're taking them every day, it's going to lead up to something. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sure of that. It's, it's so true. And also, the thing is that you were talking about overwhelm. And I think that I'm also in a state of overwhelm right now. And I think any high achiever... I've been talking to a lot of high achievers recently. Like I have a new Facebook group. You're in there. It's called Mindful and Ruthless. And I'm also like now in Path Flames Mastermind. So everybody's there, the high achiever. Like, And the talk over there is like, you know, people are so kind of like they put so much stuff into their lives that there is that feeling of overwhelm. But if you look at that feeling of overwhelm, like if you just don't have that overwhelm, it means you're not doing enough in a way. But the overwhelm way that I just talked yesterday with my coach as how to solve it is like he told me like, listen, you have to put everything you, you really are called out to do to achieve your true potential in front of you. Just do that first. It's kind of like the profit first method for finance. Do your stuff first that you really want to do that will really push you forward and move the needle for you towards your direction and don't allow fear of money, which usually it is money, right? Because you're afraid if you work too much on Prospero, then you lose the client. So, um, so it's yeah. like, don't let that 
hold you back from losing your true potential because a client or you know if anybody listening or watching here is like you have a full-time day job if you lose that full-time day job or your client then you won't remember that in the long run what you will remember is you not making your true steps that you need to do in order to reach your true potential and that was really powerful for me i was like right so Everything that brought me up to this point was my vision and my goals, like which was like inspiring me. And then in the past couple of weeks, I let that go in order to, because there's so much going on. So I'm kind of like in this overwhelm. But as of like, really, as of Sunday, I'm setting my goals again, renewing my vision and going to start to stick to that exactly like I did seven months ago. I'm just like, just whatever is most important to me, I'm going to do that. And, you know, if things fall along the way, they will, no problem, but... Everybody listening and watching, I hope you guys like take something from this discussion because, you know, Ron, I guess you're in the same position. Yeah, I am. I'm even, I find it a little bit more complicated because I have like three things that are mine that I'm trying to grow, you know, uh, the freelance and, the, and Prospero and the YouTube. And so I'm trying to do my things first, but even within them, there's kind of a war. What is more important to, to do a good YouTube video or to work on Prospero or to, you know, start taking my freelance business, you know, hiring people so I can work less on it. So it's always a struggle, but it doesn't matter. I mean, as long as something is progressing, it's good. Yeah, and I think that progress is key. And like you said at the beginning, I think enjoying the process. So it's like learning to enjoy the process, putting whatever is most important to you, like just first in front of you and doing that. And so I want to just go back a bit to freelancing just because there's an important thing there that I wanted to talk to you about. Sure. But just to close this topic of goals and achievement on, it's like if anybody right now listening or watching has a problem or has like this kind of like, I mean, I know it's a bug in your mind, kind of like, wait, but I want to do all this stuff, but I don't have time. I can't. And so feel free to reach out, you know where to find us and we will be happy to help you. So that's one thing. And now moving on to the next topic. So about freelancing and pricing. So you're the one of the first people I heard talking about value-based pricing. Now I've been working as a retainer for most of my career. Like I've worked at project, like global project prices at the beginning when I was just doing regular websites. But then when I started getting into UI UX, like product design, I've started in my freelance doing retainer. Meaning uh, in retainer, I don't mean the regular retainer, maybe I'm talking about I did hourly rates and then I did uh, hourly rates with a commitment to a set time a month. And then that way, once a month I get payment for the hours that I work. And the client knows he needs to provide me the amount of hours. And then I went on to recently, I moved on to daily prices and basically daily prices. And now the thing that value-based is, is in a way, I feel that I started doing value-based in a way with some of my clients right now because they're not paying me by the hour and I'm also hiring designers to work for me. What I'm wondering and trying to get my head around is how do I work with value-based pricing? How do you even do that? And I know you got your head around it more than I do. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that and your kind of like methodology. So first of all, I'm still doing both. I'm trying now to step away totally from retainers even though it's very, very comfortable and it's what allowed me kind of the security of, of going into freelancing, um, I really try to step away from this because I realize how much money I'm actually losing by doing a retainer. When you're doing projects, especially like, let's say, branding projects, which is it's very, very clear that uh, it's not an ongoing process, it's easier to do value pricing. And value pricing basically means, you know, you have to understand what this project is worth to your client and then price based on that. And it doesn't really matter how long it takes you to do that. So, you know, 
If it's a specific deliverable, let's say a logo, it doesn't work the same thing if you're a really, you know, bootstrapped company without any budget at all, or you're like a $30 million company trying to, you know, rebrand to move into a billion dollar company. The worth of the identity, the visual identity for you is going to be completely different even though the deliverable is the same. Probably the process of the, of the rebrand is going to be different as well, but basically that, that's the premise of it. What I'm now trying to figure out, which is very, very difficult, is how do you take something that we do as retainer, which is working on products, you know, UX and UI design, which is something that is always an ongoing yeah. process and turn that into a value-based pricing. And I think at least what I'm going to try to do right now is break it down to services as well. I mean, it can be something like this is the next version that we're working on. What are the goals for this version? You know, why are you doing it? And so to understand what's the value of this version to the company, how much time and money it's going to save you or how much money it's going to generate for you, and then price it based on that and not even, don't even count the time that I'm coming to your office or I'm working from home or I'm working with other people. That doesn't really matter as long as you get your result that you want, which is, I don't know, your version ready for development within two weeks. So this type of thing and also kind of design sprints, which is the new kind of like great, I don't know if to call it product or a service is where you actually take a company and you do a sprint for five days to solve a problem. It's a concentrated effort with deliverables such as, you know, you're producing some kind of a mock-up, you're testing it with users. And so that's super, super valuable in terms of, you know, clients can pay tens of thousands of dollars for this specific week. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm doing design sprints, by the way, as well. So I'm certified by Google. So that's, I also teach it in my course, in my 6B course. So I'm doing yeah. that workshop to teach others how to run design sprints. So I'm, I'm totally into that. I think that it's, a, it's like one of the secret weapons that Silicon Valley has. And all the great companies there just do it all the time. But not enough around the world, especially not here in Israel. Like Companies just don't do enough of that. Yeah, I think it's just picking up right now. It's it's growing, you know. Yeah. So in terms of like, you know, I'm a client. I come over to you and I say, Ron, I'm just a new startup. I just got funded and I would love to get a price quote for this new mobile app that I'm doing. How do you respond to that? Oh, how much money did you fund? It matters if it's a small like angel investment that gave you 200K or you got like $4 million from Sequoia because you're like serial entrepreneur. Let's say $2 million. Let's say like I got $2 million. $2 million. Yeah. And what do you need? MVP? Or? I need right now to launch the MVP ASAP, but I also need after the MVP, of course, to, you know, to work on the app. I want to launch it up in the app store, though. The, the result is like an app on the app store that actually works. Right. So, you know, it, it's a bit of a long conversation to really understand, you know, what are the goals for this specific version? What happens if you meet the deadline? What happens if you don't meet the deadline? What are the costs for that? What's going to be your runway? What I'm really trying to understand is what's at stake here? You know, what happens if this doesn't pan out? And what happens if it pans out right, amazingly, if I can help you do that amazingly, what is that worth? You know, it's like, I guess you're the designer when I need you to bring the UI UX skills. I mean, I'm going to have a marketing team doing the market. I guess the marketing team should bring results on the marketing side. But yeah, I'm counting on you. Right. So how are you going to measure the success of the UI? It's just like, I like it or I don't like it. I mean, how are you going to know that I did a good job? 
Well, that's a great question. I'm, I'm hoping you can tell me that, but you know, it's your job to tell me that. No, it's actually not my job to tell you that because you are the one trying to hire somebody for a specific job. If you don't know what's the result that you're trying to get with that, I mean, you know, I can tell you what my opinion, but it's not going to be, you know, how you judge it. If you want to pay for a project, then you have specific results that you want in mind. Now, some clients have the result of it's going to look okay or it's going to look great or it's going to be pretty, which is, I think, poor understanding of, you know, the what they can achieve with good design. But if the clients understand that, you know, a good design means higher conversion rates, means, you know, more revenue, and then you do the math with them on what's their expected value, then you can see the math. I think a lot of designers or in general hate to think about business, hate to think about math, hate to think about the results of what they're going to do. But if you don't want to get into the business aspect of it, then you never know what's the real value of what you're doing. By the way, yeah. I just want to say something on this topic. Yeah. Value pricing doesn't mean that the client is always going to value what it is that you're doing. Maybe they don't value design. If they don't value the design, they're not going to pay you a lot. There's no technique to go around that. But if they did hire you because they do value it, so don't underprice yourself. Understand what it is worth to them and then charge accordingly. Okay. And in a way, you think that, let's say, like the way I'm thinking about it, and I'm stopping playing the client part, yeah? To anyone who don't understand, I'm done being the client. I'm back to Sagina. <laughs> the way I see it is like, okay, two things. One is I usually have no idea how to ask the client to... Or the client usually don't have any idea and, and I'm finding it hard as well to kind of like know how to measure the success of an app by its design. Because proper UX is like great, but you know how things are. You build a product, everybody thinks it's great, even if you do design sprints, even if it's, the app is out there. And then after that comes all the complications, right? Because the business plan has changed a bit and then you're starting to do a new kind of thing and it's like kind of like not a pivot, but like new features. Right. So it doesn't have to be around how good the design is. Maybe it's about how fast it is delivered, for example, because they do know, right, that if you can get the version up in the air in like whatever, two weeks instead of two months, then they're saving up on a month and a half of the whole team's salaries because they can get the feedback first. Of course, if they did a crappy product, the best design is not going to help them to achieve amazing results. But if they understand that, you know, working fast, get there faster, save them on man hours, you know, and it gives them a shot at another round of revision, another version before their money runs out, then the money that they're saving, right, which is like a team of developers, everybody's salaries and, you know, for a month, that's like already, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, which you are saving to them if you help them deliver faster, you know, as far as your job. So it can maybe be priced around that. You have to understand what they really value, right? And then after that, you just tell them your price and... Usually, so I don't tell them the price up front, but I, I give them kind of a ballpark figure so they don't really going to be super surprised when they see my proposal. And I'm telling them up front, right, this is what it's going to be around. But then I usually try to send multiple options 
such as, you know, high-end offer, kind of a medium round offer, so they could choose from. And usually, in most cases, even with great, amazing clients, there is negotiation, you know? Yeah. Even great, amazing clients, which pay me a lot of money, ask for discount. And that's okay. I mean, it's part of the process. I know kind of that it's going to happen. So I plan to this in advance. And it's okay. It's part of like how business is done. Yeah. I mean, I'm now thinking about what you're saying. I think that a lot of people listening right now are like, right. But, you know, how do I price whatever is like it's worth to them? And how do I ask the person what it means to them? I mean, you know what? Let's leave that aside. Do you have any, maybe an example of like one of your talks with one of your customers about that? Yeah, so I'm just now concluding a project with like a startup from San Francisco who is like fairly early on. So they raised a little bit of money and they're now doing like a major launch and then they're going for a bigger round. And so at this point, what they wanted to do was kind of a facelift for their website. And we kind of discussed where they are right now and what are their goals, which is, you know, to help them get to the next step before they can start raising a bigger round. And it was basically as simple as, you know, how much do you budget for that? Like, what are you willing to pay for this? Because basically, and I say this to a lot of people, you know, a website is something that you can do for a $1,000, $5,000, $10,000, $50,000, $100,000, and every price point will buy you a different result. So let me know what you want to spend, and then I can tell you how we can get the best results for you within that budget. And so this client told me, okay, I have $10,000 for this website. And here are some references to, you know, website that I like. I told him, great, but every website that you showed me was a $100,000 website. So we can't do that. But here are some examples for things that we can do with that budget. And I'm showing him things, which obviously I know you know, myself and how long that will take to achieve. And so I know that it will be profitable for me. And so now I know kind of the value of what he has in mind for that. And I'm just capturing it. By the way, at this point, I didn't try to upsell him, which probably I could have. But, you know, I just took on this project and it's being concluded right now. It was very successful. And I think that, you know, he's so happy. We're probably going to do, you know, the $100,000 website, you know, <laughs> once he finished the round because we have a good relationship. So, you know, you have to think about it this way as well. Yeah, just basically like strategically planning the next step. Yeah. yeah, but I'm not taking a discount for that. I'm still doing a profitable job for me. It's just, you know, changing the scope depending on the budget. So it will be profitable, but still will help them achieve the result which they're looking for. Right. And so just because I know we need to wrap up soon. So any tips for anyone just starting out right now and asking themselves, you know, how do I start with value-based pricing? Should I start with value-based pricing? What do you suggest to people just starting out as freelancers? Um, whatever you think, just double it because you're <laughs> probably really, really, really underestimating yourself. You're probably doing something like calculating the amount of hours you're going to work or something like that which is not relevant at all to what the client thinks. So just double it. I know you're going to be like scared shitless and you're going to say, ah, no way. But, you know, most of the people I talk to are just like, oh my God, I can't believe they said yes. And then it opens their mind completely because once you see that it's possible, it completely changes how you think about yourself. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So I, I also think that people are, especially here uh, in Israel, like they underprice themselves and 
I think that the value-based pricing is super, super interesting to me. It's something that's really kind of like, it sparks my curiosity. I just can't get my head around it enough. I think that what you said here kind of like clarifies it a bit. I think we can talk for like hours more about this. Do you talk about yeah. it? You talk about it on your vlog, right? I mean, you talked about it. I do. Times. Yeah, I do. And I'm still, you know, trying to learn and improve myself. I'm not perfect. As I said, I'm still doing retainers based on hourly rates, knowing that I lose money on it. But I'm trying to learn and push myself and, yeah, sharing the process along the way. Awesome, man. Awesome. All right. Just to finish off, I would like to say, as you all know, this will be the last episode of the Hacking UI podcast, basically the third season of the Hacking UI podcast. There are a lot of changes happening with Hacking UI. And in the next episode, David and I will sit down to talk and update you about everything. And until then, just, you know, keep hacking and crushing it. Peace. So just to go into the lightning round, and you know what, before we go into the lightning round, so just to talk about your YouTube channel for a second, right? Do you have any tips for designers wanting to go on YouTube as a platform? I think, you know, what I realized lately is that people don't care about your life, your personal life as much as you think. I started off by sharing a lot of my personal life, and now people are like, ah, we don't want to see that. Share the content with us. Show us your process. But recently, I'm really sharing kind of the step-by-step of the process of the projects that I'm doing when the clients are, are fine with it or my personal project and people just love it. So, yeah. On YouTube, people really like technical videos. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. to show them kind of like the screen. Step-by-step, yeah, tutorials. That's big. So it depends if you like to do it or not. I'm not too big on, on doing tutorials, yeah. but yeah, it works. Yeah, because I know you showed a lot of your, um, at the beginning, you showed a lot of your personal life from Israel, kind of like, you know, the streets of Tel Aviv while you're riding your bike and stuff. And you, I still do that sometimes, but yeah, on much lesser extent right now. Okay, cool. And so I guess anybody who wants to see like, you know, how you're doing stuff can go into your channel. And just one question that I find personally interesting. You have a lot of videos when you're talking in front of the camera, like the camera is in front of you, you're talking and you can talk for minutes like you know for over five minutes in front of a camera right yeah i'm finding it right now for me at least it's kind of like i'm afraid people will get bored if it's still because people are they're used to action movies right like everything's moving so fast a scene and another scene and another scene do you find it like did you prove to yourself that now it's like it's not boring for people they proved it they watch <laughs> i do know that sometimes when i do that People kind of treat my videos as podcasts in the sense that they're pushing play and then going back to work and then listening to what I say as they work. Okay. Um, so I hear that comment a lot. But yeah, I guess. Nice. All right. Yeah, it's a way to do it, I guess. Yeah. Um, you can upload it to iTunes and stuff as well. <laughs> yeah. Just too much work. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. All right. So let's get into the lightning round. Let's go. Can you recommend books, podcasts, or anything that you've listened to or read recently that you think other designers or creative entrepreneurs should listen to? Yes. Wait. Oh my God. You should have given me the questions before. <laughs> um, let me open, let me open my audible app. Cool. I'm listening to books always on audible. Yeah. It's awesome. Audible is yeah. crazy. And just to say, while you're looking for your books, I'm just like audible. If you haven't listened to audible, I think that you should totally like, like, Download it to your phone. It's completely free. Uh, you have also like the plan of like 14 bucks a month and you get like one book for free. But it's just like the greatest minds that write the greatest books. Just like put all their, like spill all their experience and knowledge into amazing books are now available on your phone, which is just an amazing experience for you to just like have the greatest minds in the world 
talk to you while you're driving or cooking or walking the dog or anything like that. For me, it's been life-changing since I started reading audiobooks and, you know, there's stuff out there. Like, you mentioned the seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah. All right. So I was looking here. I got a lot of good things here, but uh, I recommend Design is a Job by Mike Montiero, if you know it. And if you listen to the audiobook, he's reading it and it's really, really funny. So it's a great book for everybody who's on design who, you know, working as a designer who needs his ass kicked. So that's a really good one. 10X Rule, which again, I read on your recommendation, which was really good. Right now I'm reading Radical Candor, which is about um, management, like how to manage teams. Really, really interesting if you're into ever, you know, managing other people at your workplace how to give feedback, how to take feedback. That's really, really interesting. So yeah, that's, that's the ones I'm listening lately. Awesome. Great. And I'll add in the seven, the seven habits of highly effective people as well to that list. Oh yeah. And by the way, on my website, there's kind of like a recommendation page with lots of books that I recommend. So you can oh. go into there and awesome. check it out. So we'll link to that in the show notes later on. on the set. Yeah, there's more recommendations. Awesome. Cool. So, well, so do you have like a favorite tool, app, software or something like that that you use that you think not enough people know about? I recently started using Toggle more to measure times for projects. And also with the freelancer that I'm working with, the illustrator, she's tracking time with it and it's pretty convenient to work that way. There's a new software that's called Coda, which is kind of like new spreadsheets, docs type of thing, which is really, really cool. And you can create tables and it, it's like databases. It's like nice. Airtable, if you know Airtable yeah. and, and Google Docs together. It's pretty cool software. I'm starting to use that to kind of manage projects and kind of a CRM type thing. Nice. Yeah, awesome. that's cool. And does it have an iPhone version? It's currently only on the web, I okay, think. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, and Prospero, of course, right? Because yeah, and Prospero, yeah. If you're freelancing, send your proposals, goprospero.com. That'll be awesome. Right. Of course. Cool. And lastly, where can we connect with you online? You can look me up on YouTube, either write Flux, F-L-U-X, or Ron Segal with double L at the end. Yeah, YouTube's probably the best place. I'm also on Twitter, Ron Segal with double L. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. So, Ron, yeah. thanks so much, my man, for being here on the show. Sure, dude. It's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure hanging out. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks so much. So amazing. Like, I wish you all the success and that you reach your goals. You know, I'll reach back at the end of the year and see what, what's up. <laughs> 50 For sure, man. 50% clients making the same amount of money. Kill it, man. For sure. All right. <laughs> all right. See you later. Have a good one. Bye. Cheers, man. All right, everyone. And that's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please consider sharing it with a colleague or a friend that you think would benefit from listening to it. And if we may ask, one more thing, please rate us on iTunes. This will help the podcast reach more audience and make us so happy. You only have to do this once, not every episode, and it has tremendous impact. Thanks a lot, hackers, and we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, everybody, what's up? So if you enjoyed this episode, I'm very happy, and you're welcome to listen to the rest of the episodes of the Hacking UI podcast. I just want to let you know that this is a legacy podcast, meaning... David and I are no longer creating new episodes for this specific podcast. David and I are working on different businesses now. So just wanted to let you know that, first of all, if you want to catch David, you can check out Thought Leaders. And that's what he's working on, thoughtleaders.io. And if you want to check out what I'm working on, I have a new podcast. It's called Creativepreneur, the Creativepreneur Show with Sagi Schreiber. And you would be able to find that on iTunes and any podcast app and I would invite you to come and listen and that's where I interview people that have built a lifestyle business 
out of their skills and passions. It's amazing. I interview so many different people that have amazing stories and will help you with your business, will help you with your skills, taking your skills to the next level and achieving higher goals. So if you're interested in that, I'm there, The Creatorpreneur Show, and you can check it out also on YouTube. And you can also just go to creatorpreneurmagazine.com or creatorpreneur.show. I hope to see you around.